This is the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames. Brought to you by Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. For the next hour, we'll be discussing the particular challenges and real-life solutions for families with special needs. If you found us, please know that you are not alone. To find out more, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here is your host, Julie Ames, on AM860, The Answer. Thanks for listening today to the Special Needs Family Hour. I'm Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our show is dedicated to helping those parents and caregivers who are caring for special people. The theme of the show is the essay, Welcome to Holland, by Emily Pearl Kingsley. Kingsley describes experience of raising a child with a disability. It's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy, only to realize that your plane has landed in Holland. Holland isn't a bad place. It's just a different place. So you must go out, buy a new guidebook, learn a whole new language, and meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. Holland is a code word for living life with those with disabilities. My hope and prayer is that the challenges we all face in Holland will make us better people. It has been an interesting time for us in Holland. Our oldest two daughters, Maria and Christina, are on the autism spectrum and have intellectual disabilities. Our youngest daughter, Anna, is a typical teenager who is in college. Oh, Maria just had her wisdom teeth out last week, all four wisdom teeth. My husband has back surgery scheduled, and my youngest is going to have her four wisdom teeth out Oh, in two weeks on, on her break from college. So it's been an interesting, fascinating time. The good news is that my oldest didn't see my youngest have her teeth out or vice versa. So this is wonderful. It'll just make things smoother for us. We have a great show today. Our guest is Liz Montefiore, the founder of Montefiore Consulting. Liz has been guiding individuals through the rough waters of Social Security for over 30 years. She is experienced in benefit coordination and can help. Whether you're filing for benefits for the first time or you're preparing to go before an administrative law judge at a hearing. Today, we are going to be discussing Social Security benefits for those who are 18 to 24 years old. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Liz Montefiore, the founder of Montefiore Consulting. Liz has been guiding individuals to the rough waters of Social Security disability and SSI claims for over 30 years. Hi, Liz. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for being a sponsor. You were, you've been a sponsor for four years at the beginning of our show, and I've appreciated all your support over all these years, and you're such an awesome resource for those families out there. But can you tell, for those that don't know you, can you tell them a little bit about your background? Sure. Yeah, I've been representing clients in front of the Social Security Administration since 1995. Wow. Um, Prior to that, I was a workers' compensation claims adjuster and kind of morphed into the Social Security world from that world. Um, But I've been helping folks, adults and children, who are not able to work or attend school at their grade level that would qualify for Social Security um, under the SSI or the Social Security Disability Programs. 
So I've worked at a corporate firm for many years and went yes. out of my own actually 10 years ago and opened up Montefiore Consulting. So we're able to help folks in a smaller setting. Um, we individualize each uh, claim strategy to that individual's particular needs. And I'm very happy to be able to do that and help one family at a time through this process. Yes. And this show today is really just concentrating on 18 to 24 years old. And why are we doing that? Explain to the audience the reasoning for that. Sure. We've had many calls in the last couple of years, especially with a lot of people that are transitioning at age 18 from the children's SSI program into the adult SSI program. And so because the rules are different under the children's regulations than they are for adults, um, about one third of children will automatically lose their benefits just because of the difference in the evaluation process. So Social Security has come up with some special guidelines that they're supposed to be using right. for, ch- for young people in this age group. So we're going to talk about those today and how you can best prepare to get your child who's about to transition into that age group ready for the system. Okay, so let's say you're a parent and your child is already receiving SSI disability. They're under 18. So when do they start preparing? Well, it's best to start preparing at least a year or six months ahead of time, knowing that that okay. 18th birthday is coming up. And we're going to talk about some specific things that we're going to need to look for as far as gathering evidence and talking to other individuals in your child's life, whether that be at home, in the community, at school, that'll be able to also provide evidence to help you. Oh, my. So there's a whole interview process to this. There is. Yeah. Social Security, (laughs) when they first issue their what they call their age 18 redetermination notice, they will conduct an interview with the individual specifically to find out things like, are you taking medications now? Have you had any hospital stays or surgeries in the last 12 months or since you were awarded? How about visits to doctors or clinics? Are you trying any work activity? I mean, many different things that they're going to look at. Volunteer activity, therapies they might be involved in, um, special classes or tutoring, and even interaction with counselors and others like through vocational rehabilitation that may have insight into their functional capabilities. Okay, so they're trying to get the whole picture, yes. social, emotional, and work. Exactly. Wow. Okay, so for our girls, our girls, when they, we didn't have disability before, they got it when they were 18 okay. because they're not able to support themselves. Right. So that's kind of where we were. But this is a whole new area that I'm not familiar with. Okay. Yeah, it is something that um, because SSI is a means-tested benefit, yes. those families that meet the financial criteria can obtain those benefits for their children when they're younger as minors. Right. But then once that individual turns 18, that individual is considered an adult living in someone else's household. And so, like, for example, with your daughters, that's why they could qualify then on their own because they were not able to support themselves and they met the criteria. Right, right. So we're, or sorry, a person's listening. Where do we want to take them now? All right. Well, the first thing we're going to talk about is some details on that evidence that I mentioned a minute ago. Yes. And how you can really start to gather that information from the different contexts that your child has that will prepare you to answer these questions for Social Security. Because the most important thing to keep in mind is that Social Security is going to look for functional capacity, whether that be with regard to physical issues or mental health issues. You know, how how is your child functioning and do they have any functional capacity that would allow them to work in a full-time work setting or do they not? What hindrances might there be to that? Right. So as we're gathering evidence, we want to keep that in mind. Okay. So the first thing is maintain strong relationships with your school administrators and your faculty so you can get information regarding academic 
behavioral and emotional issues that your child may have had while in school. Okay. So those are really important contexts. So, and, so, and what people don't understand is when you have an IEP meeting, sometimes these things don't come up because the IEP meeting is trying to go through setting goals and things. Yeah. That's why you want to be in contact as much as you can with what's going on daily. Yes. Yeah. You want to see the progress that's being made according to the IEP and any accommodations that may need to be even held out past the IEP plan period into a longer term situation. Yes. As you're gathering that information, you're not just gathering um, addresses and who you're going to contact. You're actually kind of formulating your own story based on what you've been told. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You're going to have, of course, your IEP reports and other documents that might be in your child's file at the school. Right. But then you may want to ask certain individuals to write statements for you um, addressing certain things. For example, I've had clients that have had case managers that are working with them specifically for behavioral issues. And so those case managers can provide a great wealth of information. Here's how, you know, Johnny's working on a day-to-day basis in this area of focus and concentration or in this area of interacting with others, their anger outburst, you know, whatever the issue might be, that behavioral case manager can really give you a great written report that can be used as evidence. Okay. And then after they do that, so that's just one area, and then the teachers can also do the same thing. Yes. There's actually specific forms that we use under the Social Security claims process for the teachers called the Teacher Questionnaire. So you can actually go onto the website, which is www.ssa.gov. What was that? It's <laughs> www.ssa.gov. Yes. That's Social Security's website. And you can look for that form. It's called the teacher questionnaire and print that out and take it to your child's teacher. If they have a lead teacher or a homeroom teacher, that would best be able to assess their functioning. Yes. And then as they, I guess, is there a medical report also somewhere in here from the doctors? You're going to want to be sure you have that. Yes. Okay. Excuse me. Yeah. One of the most important things to remember uh, about the medical providers, now that most of them have gone digital, Uh, We're seeing that a lot of medical reports uh, are kind of copy and pasted as far as the history goes. So as you're taking your child in for each visit, you need to be sure that they're recording current issues, maybe that have been resolved since you first came, but there may be a new history item that needs to be included. For example, if your child comes in and the doctor asks you, how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm great. I'm feeling great. Well, feeling great to one child is going to be completely different than feeling great to another. Maybe yes. they had a good day yesterday Wait. instead of a bad day. Yes. Okay. I just went through this with the doctor because I came in, I told him Christina was doing great and we were denied a procedure. Mm-hmm. Okay. By great, I meant she was doing better than she had been. Right. So when I came in just yesterday and I said, Christina's doing great. I said, do not put that in the report. <laughs> Christina is so much better. It's not like we're on our deathbed. Chris, right. Right. She's functional. She's moving. She, we're getting, everything's better. Right. But yes, that is so true. Yeah. And there are going to be waxing and waning of the conditions over certain periods of time, certain yes. seasons perhaps. So it's just important to be specific with regard right. to what is better. Maybe this area of functioning has improved since the last visit, but then here's something new that's come up that we maybe haven't experienced before or something that's repeating from a couple months ago. Right. You know, just be specific and then make sure that provider records it in their notes on the computer. Right. Yeah. So true. So, all right. So the 18 age is what they call the redetermination process. Yes. And that's what we're talking about now. And as you collect all that information, let's say you're, um, let's say you're a parent and you submit and 
what do you do if your claim's denied? All right. Well, when your claim gets denied, there is an appeal process that you can follow. The rules say you have 60 days to appeal that denial. However, if you want the benefits to continue to your child while you're appealing everything, you have to file that appeal within 10 days. So it's very important to read the specific language in the notice that you get from Social Security. So that will be in the notice somewhere. It will be. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And then usually you'll have to agree that if you do uh, opt for the continuing benefit, you realize that you may have to pay that back if ultimately there is no favorable decision and they do cease the benefit. You may have to repay some of that continuation of pay while they're processing. So there is a little bit of risk there as far as, let's say, that you filed your claim in January right. um, this year, and they don't make a decision till July of next year, and they're paying benefits. You opted to have it continue until right. the final determination was made. If that was not favorable, they'll likely send you a notice and say, okay, you agreed to this continuation of benefit, but now you're going to have to pay us back X amount because she was found not to be disabled any longer. Oh my. Okay, so if you're... All right, let's say a year before they're 18, do you get some kind of notice from SSI that they might not be getting their SSI with disability? No, typically that does not happen. So at 18, it could just stop unless you've done the paperwork. Well, they'll send a redetermination notice at age 18. Yeah, once they attain 18, that's when the notice comes out and that interview happens that we discussed a little bit ago. So the interview and the gathering of evidence, you want to want to provide all that to them as part of the interview process, and then they make a decision. So okay. if the decision is denied, you can appeal it, yes. you know, like I said, within 60 days for sure. But if you want that benefit to continue, do that appeal within 10 days. But then it'll be reevaluated by another group of people at Social Security. If they also deny it, then you will request a hearing in front of a judge. So there's different steps that you can go through. Um, right. It's not just one filing and one denial and that's it. There's a multiple oh. appeal uh, process. Okay. Why don't we take a break there, and then when we come back, let's talk about the redetermination and that process. Let's get into a little bit more detail about that. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. I'm here with Liz Montefiore, the founder of Montefiore Consulting. We're discussing Social Security benefits for those who are 18 to 24 years old. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. I'm here with Liz Montefiore, the founder of Montefiore Consulting. We are discussing Social Security benefits for those who are 18 to 24 years old. All right, so Liz, to recap for people, all right, we're talking about when a child turns 18, they may have already been receiving Social Security benefits for disabilities. They turn 18, and they have what is called a redetermination for benefits for SSI. Okay. At 18, they receive a letter telling them about redetermination. And that letter will explain to them how to fill out the paperwork, correct? Correct. Yeah. The notice they get is called the age 18 redetermination notice. Okay. And this is for people who are on SSI specifically as children. And then they turn age 18 
and have to be reevaluated under the adult rules. So yes, that notice will give them the steps they need to take to answer the interview with Social Security, the, re- the representative that talks with you, that is going to look for answers to the questions that we discussed earlier. And so gathering evidence and preparing uh, documents from physicians and schools and other people that have interacted with your child is very important. So you're ready to go when the interview comes. It'll just help speed up the process Okay, for so, them if they have evidence already in hand. Okay, so so let's say you're the together parent, you have your evidence in hand, you go ahead, you fill out the paperwork, you turn it in, everything should be fine and benefits should continue as normal, except if it's denied. Correct. So then if it's denied, they owe that money back. No, not, not, okay. not, not yet. Okay. Yeah, what happens is if that redetermination is denied, Social Security will send out a denial notice and tell you that you have 60 days to appeal that. If you want to appeal with additional evidence or additional interviews, whatever might be necessary to provide more information to them about the case. If you want to have your benefits continue while this appeal is pending, then you would respond to the denial within 10 days. And they would continue those benefits through the process of the claim handling, which can take anywhere from 6 to 18 months, depending on if you have to go all the way to a hearing with an administrative law judge. So you could get those benefits paid continuing all the way through the hearing, for example. But then if you are not successful and prevail and continue with the benefits at that time, then that's when the notice would come back to you to say, well, you agreed to continuation of benefits but we told you at that time that you may have to repay some of that money to us if there was not a favorable decision and that they would let you know at that time if anything was owed. But again, you're still appealing up to the time of the hearing and right. even beyond if you need to. And that continuation of benefit will still remain. Okay. So when do they call you? <laughs> <laughs> we can get involved in any aspect of the case. If you, when you get the redetermination notice and need help gathering evidence to support the fact that your child still would meet the requirements for disability as far as you know, we can help then. We can help once that appeal comes in yes, um, and then help you gather additional evidence at that point to make sure that appeal gets through and hopefully with a favorable decision after that first appeal. Yes. Now what's interesting is you represent people in a court of law. They don't need an attorney you can represent them. Can you explain to them that aspect of your practice, which I think is very good? Yeah, under administrative law, which is the purview that Social Security works in, uh, you do not have to be an attorney to represent someone in front of the administrative law judges for hearings. So our hearings here in Tampa, for example, are not held downtown in a regular court. They're held up in an office building over near the airport. um, And there is security, just like you would have at a federal office. But the administrative law judges um, will conduct what they call an informal proceeding. It's more a fact-finding proceeding. Right. There won't be anybody adversarial there from the government to try to shoot down your arguments, for example. Right. But there are specific regulations that need to be addressed based upon your child's specific case, and that's why you want a representative to go with you to the judge's hearing so that you can make sure that you're being protected legally. Okay, so why does it take 18 months sometimes to get that case seen before a judge. Right. The system is so backlogged, not as bad as it has been in the past. Yes. But the initial determinations can take three to six months. Then you have that denial. You do another appeal, which can take usually 30 to 45 days at that point. Okay. If they deny it again and then you need to request a hearing, it's right now about a nine-month wait to 12 months even sometimes to get a hearing date, uh, depending on what jurisdiction you're in. Okay. All right. So let's say that a person has successfully gone through that whole process 
they're 18 and they're receiving their benefits. Now let's talk about moving forward okay. from there. So they're receiving their benefits. Can they still work? Yes. Or get a job? They can, absolutely. And a lot of the people that we have been speaking with are involved with Vocational Rehabilitation, which yes. is a wonderful organization. Isn't, aren't they? Yes, they are great. Yes. And especially if you're working with them, um, Social Security works very closely with them. So you, it's your responsibility still to advise Social Security where you are in the process with Voc Rehab. Are you in the job placement? Are you interviewing? Have right. you actually received a position? You know, you have to let them know where you are in that process. But yeah, I don't want to go into all the financials here on the radio, but there are um, a lot of details on the website again, which is www.ssa.gov. Yes. And if you just Google uh, the, under their search, not Google, but under their search, you would just put working while receiving SSI. You could see the entire explanation of what you're allowed to earn. Yes. And I've gone through this process of Maria and Voc Rehab. And so she had a job. And we had we were able to download an app on the phone and we report within ten days of the previous month that she worked. You report that information, and then there's someone with vocational rehab uh, person that actually they're called they they do what this is called a WIPA W I P A, and they actually calculate how much money you'll receive from Social Security. You will never receive less than you were making. And they actually have the calculations where you can actually figure it out for yourself what it means. So that's that dark hole right. <laughs> vocational rehab. But back to you, Liz. So they can work. They can still get their benefits. They can go do that. Um, what is the PASS program? All right. The PASS program is a wonderful thing. It actually stands for Plan to Achieve Self-Support. Okay. And so this is a written plan of action that you would take to help you assist in getting a particular job or start a business. Oh, wow. So um, who may have one of these pass accounts? That's a question. You can have one of these accounts or plans, I should say, if you would be eligible for SSI based on disability, if not for your income and assets. In other words, if you have too much financially to qualify for SSI, but medically you would meet the criteria, right. then you'd be able to have a pass plan. Uh, or if okay. you're already eligible for SSI and have income that reduces the amount of SSI you receive, similar to what you just described. Right, right. Um, and then use your pass to reach your employment goal ultimately will help you reduce or eliminate benefits you receive from SSI. So they would like to see you continue to work and gain earning capacity to where as you earn more, then your SSI becomes less. So in a way, we could say they're kind of incentivizing you yes. to help you achieve independence. Yes. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Yes. All right. Now, let's say that you're one of those students that, yes, you want to plan to achieve and move on, but that doesn't fall under the purview of going to college. That's kind of a different thing, isn't it? Right, yeah. Okay. There's a specific uh, effect that college grants and scholarships um, okay. are usually considered under SSI. Um, let me get to my notes on that. Yes. They won't specifically count as resources up to nine months for the SSI calculation. So if you receive a grant or scholarship or gift for school, right. um, for nine months they won't count that against you as a resource that could bump you up over that threshold. To be eligible for SSI, okay. they basically say uh, you have up to nine months to use it. You must use those funds for tuition, fees, or other necessary educational expenses. 
uh, at any educational school, including a vocational technical school. Okay, so you're so basically all we're saying is that if you're a student and you get a scholarship or you get grants, it may affect your SSI. Mm-hmm. But you have nine months to deal with that? Right. They won't count it as a resource that you have in okay. the resource calculation for nine months. Okay. So what's good about that is that gives you time to plan. Yes. So they're giving you nine months to plan your financial future and what you need to do. Correct. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't so seem exciting. like a lot of time. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Well, we've got a, our youngest just started college. So it's like, oh, my gosh. So the, all right. So this person has nine months to figure out what's going to happen right. to them. All right. So and that's what grants scholarships. Wow. So I guess that's just another forms and paperwork to fill out. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, again, you have the responsibility to report to SSI any income or resources that you have so they can calculate month to month you know, to confirm your eligibility for the program. So if your student was to receive one of these types of things, a scholarship or grant, then right. you have to report it to them. But they won't count it against you as, you know, adding to your resources for nine months. Okay. So. Okay. So here's, all right, let's get more complicated. Where do the ABLE accounts fit into all of this? Oh, okay. Is that, um, oh, you know what? Why don't we take a break here and let's start the conversation with the ABLE accounts because I think that's a whole nother discussion. It correct? is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm Julie Ames and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Liz Montefiore, the founder of Montefiore Consulting. We are discussing Social Security benefits for those who are 18 to 24 years old. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Liz Montefiore, the founder of Montefiore Consulting. We are discussing Social Security benefits for those who are 18 to 24 years old. Now, Liz, we we were going to get into the ABLE accounts, and we're talking about Social Security benefits, and how does we've talked about how college and grants will affect that, or scholarships. Now, let's talk about how ABLE accounts may affect Social Security. Sure. Yeah, the ABLE account is a wonderful tool that Social Security developed um, back in 2014. They first became available, and that's a tax-free savings account available to cover qualified disability expenses. So it's called an ABLE account, uh, which stands for Achieving a Better Life Experience. So it's really a great way for folks to be able to have some savings for their own needs under their disabilities without being penalized under the system. Right. And grandparents can give money to that. Other individuals in the family can give money to that. And there's a maximum amount, I guess, that they can give. Yes. Each person can only have one account, but contributions can come from anyone. Okay. Okay. Now, you have to be eligible for SSI based on blindness or disability that began before age 26. Okay. So they give you a little bit more time there as far as age range who qualifies. Uh, Also, people that are entitled to disability insurance benefits, which is the Social Security disability based on your earnings history, uh, childhood disability benefits, 
or disabled widows or widower benefits, as long as the disability or blindness, again, began before age 26. So, again, you have to have evidence that the impairments were there at that time. Okay, so the ABLE count. So so is the ABLE count considered separate, or are they actually looking at that as money? Right, there's an annual gift tax exemption, which is 15000 for this year. Um, so that's what you're going to be looking at under the SSI program. Social Security will disregard the first $100,000. Only uh, assets above 100 count as a resource under SSI. All right, so the total ABLE account can be up to $100,000, and Social Security will not look at it. It will not have implications on your Social Security. On the SSI, right. Okay, however, if you pass away, the government gets that money. Right. That is something that I would have to look into a little more detail on the Social Security site. Okay. Yes. And what's interesting is I believe ABLE accounts were kind of the answer for the special needs community that the 529s had been for the regular kids that might go to college. Right. Right. So this is our way of helping our children, just like parents of typical kids are helping their children. Correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So... For those wondering, why do they get that? <laughs> <laughs> Again, we go to their website. They have a whole discussion on the accounts and some of the questions that we talked about today at www.ssa.gov. You know what? While we're talking, please mm-hmm. give them your website and give it to them twice because oh, your sure. website, you go through everything. You go through women's benefits, uh, aid for a spouse that's passed away. You have everything there, and you have an awesome resource page, and you connect to all these websites. So what is your website? Sure. It's www.montefewconsulting. That's M-O-N-T-E-F as in Frank, U as in umbrella, consulting.com. Say that one more time. All right. www.montefewconsulting.com. Yes. Now, Liz's tagline is, your beacon of light for Social Security disability claims. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's a very pleasant website. Um, okay, now when we're going through this, all right, we've been talking about redetermination of benefits if you're already receiving benefits before you're 18. But what about the kid who just turns 18 and they've never had Social Security benefits? Explain that process. Sure, yeah. For someone who's going to be filing for the first time, they don't have any history with Social Security, with Social Security finding them to have any specific impairment. So it's going to be very important to have medical evidence to document those impairments, whether, again, it be a mental health impairment or a physical impairment. So the same things we talked about earlier with communication with the doctors and therapists and counselors who are seeing your children really need to have very detailed notes on functional capabilities, because that's really what Social Security is going to be looking for, because what they are going to do is take a look at the day-to-day routine that your child's able to perform and see if they can transfer that into a work setting. And if they feel that they can and it can be a full-time work setting, they'll deny the case. Right. Now, when I was going through it with my children, someone said, take your child with you. So I think I had a huge notebook, maybe two inches thick, and I had IEPs. I have psychological profiles. I had everything in the notebook, and I also have my child with me. Right. (laughs) And and I, for me, that was a it's a benefit because it's obvious. It that, is, that, and actually, that there is a situation. 
Right. As a Social Security representative is interviewing you and your child there at the window in their office, there's a specific spot on their application paperwork where they can record their observations oh my. of your child. So they'll I did make not notes know that. I did not know they were making notes about my kid. Oh, my but gosh. No, but it can be of assistance if they know that there's an issue with attention and concentration or sitting still on the chair for the 45 minutes that you're there at right. the window or whatever it might be. They'll make notes of that. Which or better be yet, a benefit. I know. Or only wanting to talk about Transformers or something. Oh, there you go. Right, yep. right. One subject. <laughs> Or, or the repeated, how was your day? Yeah. Anyway, are you having fun? That's what my kids like to say. Okay. Are you having fun? Yeah. And of course, the stressed out person will say, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right. So you're that first person. Let's say you've got all the information. Now, some people are very successful just applying online, correct? That's true. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Well, SSI does not yet have capability for doing that application online, so you do have to go in person okay. for the SSI. But you can file online for the other disability programs, which okay. would be Social Security Disability or the Children's Adult Disabled Child Benefit, that kind of thing. But SSI, still, they don't have that capability, so you have to go into to the office or do a phone appointment with the office. Okay, so the phone appointment must have been, I've heard about friends that they do the phone appointment and it's successful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Again, it's all about the evidence that you have. At the time you have that appointment, whether you're on the phone or in person with Social Security, whatever evidence you can provide them will speed up the processing. And the more detailed that evidence is with regard to functional capacity, that's going to make the case that much stronger. Yes. And if your child's living with you, they're going to want to know your expenses. Yes. They're going to want to know all the household expenses. So Correct. that's one of those things, I don't know if that's written anywhere, but it's part of the process of understanding the financial impact for that child. Right, exactly. Yeah, because they are 18 and an adult in someone else's household, that would you could equivalent that to someone who may be just a friend or other family member who's living with you because they can't support themselves. Yes. That's how Social Security will yes. be done. Well, it's like guardianship hearing. Um, I remember the judge referring to, I remember the judge referring to Christina as being indigent. Hmm. And I remember my other daughter saying, what does that mean? I said, it means that she's poor without right. money. And so it was it was just interesting because they never looked at her that way. Right, exactly. But at some point, I'm not going to be here. And what happens next? Right. Well, let's take a break and we'll continue that conversation on the other side. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Liz Montefiore, the founder of Montefiore Consulting, We are discussing Social Security benefits for those who are 18 to 24 years old. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Liz Montefiore, the founder of Montefiore Consulting. We are discussing Social Security benefits for those who are 18 to 24 years old. Now, Liz, so we've discussed Social Security before 18, what happens when you turn 18, the redetermination process. We've discussed it for when the child turns 18 and they've never received Social Security. Now, what about the child who is 18 and has a disability? 
All right. What happens there? Yeah, if they're age 18 with a disability, yes. you're going to want to get very good uh, documentation from the specialist that might be seeing your child. Social Security has um, a whole list of what they call medical listings for different yes. body systems. So depending upon what issue your child has, whether it be neurologic, endocrinology, cardiology, psychiatric, right. all these different listings are found on their uh, resource page under the regulations. And you can look at your specific child's diagnosis. And actually, we provide our clients with a questionnaire to give your specialist that will ask questions specific to that listing. So, for example, if a child has asthma that's very severe and their pulmonary function testing shows that they have severely obstructive disease, then we can get the doctor to record those test results on this paperwork. And then if it's within the medical listing threshold, then they would get an automatic award based upon the severity of their condition. That's what the medical listings are for. So that, like I say, anybody's system as well as any psychiatric uh, diagnosis can be evaluated under the listings. Right. So Social Security does not have their own doctors. They get the reports from your personal doctors. They do have their own doctors. They do. During the process. I thought I had heard that. (laughs) They do. Okay. I got to admit, that's kind of weird. Well, what happens is once they see all the records from your providers, if they feel like there's not enough detail there that they would need to do their analysis, they will send you out for what they call a consultative evaluation. And that can be for any specialty or any psychiatric need. They also send out for x-rays. If you don't have updated x-rays of a certain body part, they will not do MRIs or CTs, you know, more advanced scans like that. But they do try to provide at least some kind of basis for the diagnosis that you're saying your child has if your doctors don't have sufficient evidence. All right. So these are regular doctors who are contract. They have a contract with Social Security. They're not working for Social Security. Correct. Yes. All right. That's better. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And on your website, so you go through the Social Security Disability Benefits Mm -hmm. and then Survivor Benefits, Children SSI and Women's Benefits. Um as what, what are areas that you think that the audience needs to know that maybe we haven't covered here? Right. One area that's not as well known is called the Disabled Adult Child Benefit. Oh. And that is available for any adult who is disabled before age 22 uh, if their parent is deceased or starts receiving Social Security retirement or disability benefits. So let's say that you have an individual who starts collecting their Social Security retirement at age 62. And maybe they have a child who's 40 years old and has had cerebral palsy since birth. That child could start collecting a disabled child benefit on his father's record because his father is now receiving the Social Security retirement. Okay, so I have a friend whose son has Down syndrome and the father died unexpectedly. I don't know where he was in that process. Mm -hmm. I would say the father was maybe 60, somewhere in there. So would that child qualify? Right. If the parent is deceased, then you could qualify and file for benefits on the deceased parent's record. Okay. But does that affect the the mother's benefits? No. It's a separate benefit. And that child has to meet certain criteria on their own. For example, if they're working, they have right. to have no uh, gross earnings over $1,220 a month. So it's pretty limited, you know, as far as what you're allowed to earn and still right. qualify for this benefit. But the other steps that Social Security takes to evaluate them are the same as a normal Social Security disability claim with the steps of looking at the medical listings, looking at the functional capacity. 
Right, right. And and just to give people, an, I guess, a maximum Social Security, I don't know about disability, but the maximum is about 733 $750. Right, that's for SSI. That's for mm-hmm. SSI. And to give people, the audience, a little bit of an idea, if, if you had a child in, let's say, an affordable housing development for special needs, such as Noah's Landing, um, the rent would probably be about 400 okay, and something. So that's... Right off the bat, that's how much money is leaving, and then your child has to live on is the rest. Right. Very often, there'll be a third deduction for assistance that Social Security considers that your individual may be receiving from a housing community like that, or if you have the um, someone who's living in your household and you're providing all expenses for them, then they'll usually take a third deduction off that SSI amount Got because it. of those expenses. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's um. It's amazing how, in, a, in some ways, it's um, it's a lot of money, but in other ways, it's a very little amount of money when you consider the expenses that they actually have, even if they are uh, the fact that they're indigent, right? So to speak. That's why the disabled adult child benefit is really a great thing because they are filing off of their parents' record of earnings, so it's not limited to the SSI threshold amount. Whatever that parent paid into the system and would receive in a benefit amount, that's the benefit amount that the child could receive off their parents' record. So it's usually higher than the SSI threshold okay. limit. Okay. Now, I remember um, a roommate in college, her father had passed away, and they received Social Security okay. based on that situation. But she was very young right. when that had happened. When that right. Had There's a survivor benefit. And okay. also a disabled child adult benefit. So there's two different types of things that could happen when the parent is deceased. Wow. So the survivor benefit is a little bit different. It's not evaluated under the disability regulations like the disabled adult child is. The survivor okay. benefit is limited to as long as your child is in school. Once they're, in, once they're done, that benefit's right. cut off. Okay, so I think I need. To, I think I need to listen to this podcast myself <laughs> again. And of course, it's gonna it's on the website. Yeah, you, you can, can visit our site, and yes. there's links there as well as on the Social Security website. Yes. Now you have your own. You have Montefiore Montefiore Consulting Educational Seminars. People can invite you in to do a seminar. Um, correct. Yes. Yeah, we do a lot of education throughout the community. We've gone to different support groups, different churches, even with different financial groups. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about how the Social Security disability can be um, incorporated into a financial plan, depending on your yes. situation. So insurance agents sometimes invite us in to talk to their staff right. about um, what to look for, who actually could be qualified, because a lot of people think they're going to be eligible for the benefits just because they can't work. But there's so many criteria that have to be met. Right. Um, like, for example, the duration requirement for all of these programs is 12 months of no work. So for an adult to not have worked for 12 months, that's a really mm-hmm. difficult place to be in. Yes. Um, so there's many things that we'll come in, just give you a tree-top presentation on whatever aspect of the program that would be best for your group and provide that education. And then schools, you come into schools to give presentations? I, yes. mm-hmm. Okay. And a person, if they just need, they can email you or they can call you directly. Yes. So you want to give them that information? Sure. Uh, my email is liz, L-I-Z, at montefewconsulting.com. That's M-O-N-T-E-F-U consulting.com. Our phone number is 813-495-8787. And our office is located in Tampa, near the intersection of I-75 and I-4 in an office park there. Very yes. easily um, accessible from any of the freeways. Yes. And um, 
Blizz has been a friend and an amazing sponsor for four years at the I can't beginning of the it's show. Been four years already. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. We were discussing that earlier, and um, she's been a great resource and a great help to many people in our community. And I always like what you had said originally when we first talked was that you had started your own business because you the what you were doing before you just didn't feel like they could do enough to really help the people they were working with and that was part of your impetus and you've been in business now for 10 years yes so yeah. congratulations thank you very on much all your success i'm julie ames and you're listening to the special needs family hour on am 860 the answer don't forget to like us on facebook and please join us next sunday afternoon at one o'clock thank you for listening to the special needs family hour If you've missed any part of today's program, you can get the podcast of this and every show at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. While there, please take advantage of the resources we've made available. And if you're so inclined, please support the advertisers that support this program. Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3 organization. More than anything, just know that you are not alone. And we invite you to join us next Sunday at 1, only on AM 860. The Answer. The Answer.